Here's your host, Alex Garrett. All right, am I insensitive for uh, playing some upbeat music when we've got now over 100 cases in New York City of coronavirus? By the way, people that don't want to drink Corona during this are just stupid. Let me just put that out there. But live tonight, I want to tell you an actual real story uh, that I think if you don't believe in God entirely or have any sort of faith, it might change your mind. See, in Italy, what CNN's calling a malfunction, I'm calling an act of God. Because how convenient that in the heart, I mean, this town... In Italy, uh, Castel Vetro, Castel Vetro, I'm not Italian, so sorry if I botched that up. But Castel Vetro, which is really right in the midst of where the coronavirus is hitting worst, believe it or not, they actually had their faucets turn from water to wine. That's right. A malfunction at a local winery, again, they call it malfunction, caused 1,000 liters of ready to be bottled wine to leak into the water pipes. Folks, if you don't think people that are believers are really turning to him in a time when they see their city, when they see their town infected by coronavirus, think you're wrong because I think there are people praying that this thing literally goes away. And I'm going to get to my guest, uh, Kevin Miller-Pawalski. He reminded me it's not Puchowski. It's Pawalski in just a second. But when you have this kind of malfunction, when you... When it hits biblical, remember Jesus turned water into wine in the Bible to celebrate. I truly believe that this was an act of God. Call me crazy. But how can you explain it? And not only that, it happened in a town that's heavily affected by coronavirus. And it's in a country, by the way, where they literally have a travel ban on certain countries where people are coming from into Italy, tourism is way down because of this fear. We've already in a, in the United States had a cancellation of the South by West Conference, Southwest Conference. By the way, leave a message. I'll be reading it in the chat box if you're interested in contributing. Maybe after Kevin joins us, I will uh, jump in and, and read some of them if they're nice. Uh, but other than that, we're going to get to listen to Kevin Polsky in a second. But in a time where we're seeing tons and tons of updated numbers of people being infected with it, people dying from it, people's lives thrown off track, cruises canceled, cruises being docked. I mean, there was a cruise recently in California, just off the coast being docked because they were afraid of 14 Americans heading back in. So, to see this kind of story where waters turn into wine in the sinks. It might be a malfunction, but I think it's something deeper. And maybe you do too. And I'm going to ask Kevin Miller that. And so much more as his screen, as his book is about to hit movie theaters. Remember, he talked with us about having a screenplay possibility. Well, Kevin, well, tell us. And without further ado, my guest today is Kevin D. Kevin, of course, actually Miller Puchowski, if you think about it, and he wrote about that in his book, The Heart of Seal, about his grandfather Stanley. And, you know, you were talking about this on uh, the night that we had attacked the uh, embassy and then they attacked us. We actually connected that night about the response we should give back to Iran. 
Yeah. You were telling me you were in the process of getting a screenwriter for your big book, and now it's finally yes. happened. Tell me about it. Yes, yes. No, we've been uh, we've been working on this. We've been working on converting um, Heart of Steel to Heart of Steel the movie. So in the process, um, my book was optioned with a uh, production company. And uh, a good friend of mine named Kevin Sizemore, a good actor, um, been in the business and been around the business quite a bit. Well, a good friend of his, uh, we kind of hit him up. His name's uh, Ty DeMartino. He's from, um, he's back in the D.C. area. He's from the West Virginia area. And he, um, he's a uh, pretty big name uh, screenwriter. He's got a lot of awards. Um, he's also a, a screenwriter. He's written uh, plays and feature films. So we sent him the book and let him read the book and just say, hey, you know, you know, let us know what you think. And if you're on board with it, then let's go. Well, he he loved the book. And uh, he's he says he goes, he goes, dude, he goes, I can't believe this is your first book. So hats off to you. And he goes, I think it's great. And I would love to write the screenplay. So anyway, long story short, we um, worked out a deal, you know, for him to get started on the screenplay. And he's he's often running and writing the screenplay, probably take about three to five months to get that screenplay written. Well, it's been a little bit since you've been with us. So give us a refresher. Also, I know that you have mentioned this is the 100th anniversary of what went down in Youngston, Ohio, right? Yes, this is going to be um, the 100-year the anniversary, um, more specifically on September 13th of uh, this year. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's actually uh, Warren. It's outside of Warren. There's the, the farm and the murder took place on a, a farm in uh, a small township called Southington, which is just outside of Warren, Ohio, uh, and close to Youngstown. Youngstown's up there, so, um, you know, it's all in the mix there, very uh, – very much in that area. So, yeah, 100 years, man. Unbelievable. Wow. And so on the 100th anniversary, I guess it's fitting that this is going to become a movie or start processing, right? Yeah, we're, we're in the process of and here Here's the, the thing, Alex, how it kind of works, because um, we're going to get the screenplay. And when we get the screenplay done, the beauty is we'll have a screenplay and a book to pitch oh. to studios yep. and financers, you know, which, it's, which is gold. You know, it's, it, it's like... Go ahead. Your your book was so well written. Are you writing the screenplay, or are you going to hand that off to Kevin and his? Team? No, no, no. The screenwriter um, uh, Ty DeMartino is writing the screenplay. Okay. He, he's writing the screenplay from my book, and um, so he's you know he's going to convert that. Writing a screenplay is like a whole different skill set than mm -hmm. writing a book, and it's like I looked at it and I thought about doing it. and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, but I, I mean, I could figure it out, but I just I, that's too much time involved. In, and you really want somebody with a name attached to that screenplay sure. when you start sure. pitching it, you know, because guys want to invest a million dollars or something. They want to see kind of a name on there. And, you know, so. well, I got to ask you this. So mm -hmm. Emma, Emma May is, is a blonde, right? That that's who she yeah. was. Emma May. Actually, Emma May was a brunette. She brunette. she her okay. hair turned. Her hair turned white at a very young age. I mean, her the Irish in her, she had she had silver hair actually, turned white. Um, but yeah, when she was young, she was actually um, Auburn had Auburn color hair. Mm -hmm. And so, any actresses that you're thinking of that could be her in the role, as well as your grandfather, who are you thinking of for your yeah. grandfather? Well, right now, um, and I've got two roles filled, and 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 the reason is um, I've got two daughters who are. Uh, 
SAG actors, professional actors here in Hollywood that are just the right ages. So Emma May, I'm going to, um, I've kind of wrote that role with it with my daughter Emily in mind. She just turned 18. Um, she's tall, she's thin, she's got the brunette hair, and she's got the sassiness of Emma May. She's okay. got the sarcasm and the sassiness of Emma May. My daughter, Gracie, who's 13, um, will play the role of Sophie, the, um, sure. Stanley's, Stanley's older sister. You know, she's kind of has that heart. She's got that big heart, you know, that, uh, that, that Sophie has. So those two roles are set. Um, grand, my great grandfather, uh, my grandfather, uh, we haven't decided yet. And we really like to get a named actor, a young, um, you know, actor who's got a name. It depends on the budget, you know, that, that kind of dictates everything. If we get a big enough budget, you know, we can get a couple, you know, named actors in there, get a, you know, get a bigger director and that sort of thing. So, well, Kevin, I gotta be honest, it's, it's great that you're tapping into the Hollywood scene to get this done. I mean, let's be honest. As a Trump supporter, I have to go there. Do you find that it, it would have been – if you didn't have a connection, do you find like it would have been harder because you're pro-Trump to get oh. an, a Hollywood idea off of oh, this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's there's there's definitely a pretty strong uh, prejudice in Hollywood. Ho Hollywood being as liberal as it is, I mean there's a lot of young actors who don't have the clout you know, that kind of get blackballed, you know, you kind of, it kind of treats them that way, which is a sad thing. You know, it's, it it's, it's like, what, what happened to free speech? What happened to, you know, respecting people's opinions, whether you agree with them or not, but it happens. It happens all the time. So, uh, but being that you are now in with Hollywood, you're not afraid to keep your views going and, and publishing them, right? I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I just, I'm, I've got to be true and I've got to be an example to my my daughters, you know, that it's 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 okay, man, to to speak your mind and your beliefs and and not be afraid, you know. Um and and I don't want to I don't want to be a bad example to her by by staying too quiet. I mean, I, you know, you kind of got to be a little political. You kind of got to know when when and where to pick your fights and such, but but most most of the, the, the I mean most everybody is is decent when you're working with them and nobody really talks politics on the right. set and stuff. I mean, nobody's really interested in knowing who's what. And you just kind of avoid it a little bit if you're in a situation where you're on set or whatever. You know, it's it's not a, a you know a, a something I jump into a big political conversation if I'm on set working or or doing anything like that. But but I'm not afraid to express my opinion if I'm asked. You know. Well, let me ask you this. I've asked you this a little bit before, but maybe there's a different sure. view now watching the Democrats and Biden versus Sanders. Yeah. I mean, what would your grandfather say about this whole thing? What was his political leaning? My grandfather, um, in at a younger age, I mean, he was uh, he grew after he after the book, the time period in the book there, he went into the 30s. He, he was he was a union supporter. He was actually a union okay. muscle. So. And he ex kind of explained that to like my father, you know, because my father and him used to kind of argue about the unions and stuff because my dad was okay. a business owner and, you know, he had some, you know, uh, heartburn with, with unions and stuff. But my grandfather cool. explained to him, he said it's, it was a different era. There, there was a different time when he was fighting for the unions, you know, you couldn't get up and go to the bathroom. They were literally sweatshops. And, and kids and, and, and the unions at that time were necessary to, you know, Absolutely. to make the workplace a safe place and a fair place to work. So I, I think in his younger days, he probably leaned more democratic, but more conservative, probably a more of right. like a blue dog Democrat. 
Blue collar. And, and I think, right? Yeah, blue collar. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that changed as he got older, you know, a little bit. But he didn't he didn't really express his political opinions a lot, you know, that when, as I, when I was a kid and, and talking to him and stuff. He didn't really talk too much about that. It's interesting. Unions kind of are split. Like Trump had some yeah. in his back pocket because yep. he's been a businessman. But a lot of unions also don't like him. So it's a very interesting yeah. mix we're seeing reaction-wise. Right. And, I, you know, yeah. I— I just think today's unions, though, are not what we were. They were made for. They were. They become less of a. Let's prevent a triangle shirtwaist factory disaster from happening. To yep. more of a. Hey, how can we get political control right. and get yep. into the you know Washington? And that's kind of where I sour on the unions Absolutely. right now. Not the members. The members yep. are good people. I just think uh, some of them may not want to pay dues if they have to be political about it. It's, you know, it's changed. Yeah, no, it's changed. It's, it's definitely changed. Josh. You're, you're right on with that. I mean, it's, it's not what the unions originally were and were for. They've, they've, um, you know, kind of changed or evolved over the years into something else, you know, like, like, like so many institutions do, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know you were also in the military. So, and by the way, Kevin D. Miller, talking with him, he's the author of Heart of Steel about his grandfather, Stanley Puchowski. And I just love that you had no idea until later in life that you were a Puchowski. That's a very fascinating story in and of itself. Um, yeah, no, it was incredible to find out. We were shocked, you know, to, to learn that our last name, my last name is really not Miller, you know, to just wake up one day and find out it's a very Polish name, very Polish Puchowski. Um, and it took me a while to, to pronounce that correctly, Alex. I had I had to actually consult um, some of the Polish uh, Facebook groups that I joined to say, hey, please tell me how to pronounce this correctly, because I was pronouncing it Puchalski or Pukalski, and they said the C is silent. It's Puchalski. So, okay, so I, I've had to, you know, kind of train myself to remember the C was silent and, and, and do that. But anyway, it, it was an interesting to, to learn that your name is that, and it was kind of shocking to find out. Now, I just wanted to know why, which is why I writ, wrote the book. And how is the book, aside from the screenplay, how's the book going? Because I know it just released in, what, November, I think we talked the first time. So. Yeah, it. Um, I actually released it in August 10th of uh, last year on Amazon. I, I did release it in November on Barnes & Noble, and it's been doing well. Uh, we're getting good sales. You know, it's getting good press. You know, I've talked uh, quite a bit on talk radio and, and, and Channel 8 uh, morning TV in, in uh, San Diego. Right. Um, and a couple places. Yeah, it's getting good. Um, I actually talked to uh, Donna Fiducia, who used to be on Fox News, her and her sure. husband. Uh, and and they had a great, they're ordinary. They're they're really funny. And, and we had a good conversation um, with them and stuff. So it's getting a lot of attention. It's selling, you know, very well. Um, so I'm pretty happy with it so far. So far, so and good. And did I see something like the, there was a newsletter in Youngston, Ohio, or a newspaper that covered it? Yeah, yeah. Well? Yeah, there was an there was a um, an author that contacted me and asked to do uh, an article on on uh, in Youngstown. So, cool. so yeah, in Youngstown for some reason seems to, a lot of people in Youngstown are buying my book. It's it's a hot. I mean, Ohio in itself is a real good target market, but for some sure. some reason Youngstown is just buying lots of books. Well, because it's their town, and I think they want to know the history of the town. You know, I, another big thing is with the ancestry and the DNA and everything. Everybody now wants to know, right. maybe not just more than just their family identity, what the right. identity of the town was back then and, right. and maybe what it was like. And mm-hmm. and I think the fact that you've highlighted that town, 
Uh, I don't know how many people reside in it, but I'm sure to the hundreds there, it's, it's resonating with them. Yeah, no, it definitely resonates with them. I mean, that area of the country is a place we will go market as well. When we start getting closer to getting production for the movie, I mean, we will go back there and and really market it up and, and build it up, you know, in the in the Ohio, West Virginia, you know, all that area back there. And even your grandfather was in Chicago for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. When he um when he ran away from the orphanage, he hopped a train and he ended up in Chicago and working in a steel mill in there and just trying to save money and then got this guy as well a polish family actually yeah yeah he had help i mean he had help when he was there and and uh they kind of took him in and and then kind of got him into some bootlegging to kind of make some extra money and he he was just willing to do whatever it took to get enough money to go back and and rescue his siblings and take care of it's funny i was just thinking about the um the prohibition area because now here in new york we've just banned plastic bags and i'm just waiting for like yeah. the speakeasies of plastic bags you know oh, here, you go. Exactly, man. here yeah. in new york so i just <laughs> i just think about that era because yeah. uh, all the shops around here are no longer having plastic bags and it's like oh my god i don't know it's like they care less about people's safety and more about that and that's yeah. just frustrating anyway no, insane mm-hmm. so you yeah so you have this thing and then you're still being political so i want to ask you about super tuesday did, sure. did anybody know up until, you know, outlets are reporting it, not the mainstream outlets, by the right, way, right. but did anybody really know that Trump did three, four times better than his president, you know, previous incumbents? This is incredible what he did on Super Tuesday. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's incredible. And no, it doesn't get reported, just like everything else that he's done doesn't get reported. I mean, that's that's the strategy, you know, the, the liberal media and stuff. They, they don't want to, you know, tell everybody what's actually happening because they'll, you know, you know, people are going to are going to want to reelect him. And they already do because people already know whether they're telling them or not. You know, people know, you know, they just. Uh, but, yeah, I can't believe that they wouldn't, you know, well, report that when you were in the military. Are your friends that you have in the military? So are they still pro Trump or what is what's the reaction like in that circle? Uh, there's most of them. I would say most of them are more lean, more conservative and to the right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's always the, you know, folks that are, you know, right. are raised Democrat and that's how they were raised and that's how they believe. And, and that's okay. Like I said, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm good with people's beliefs. I don't have to agree with you to respect your opinion, you know, sure. but I expect the same in return. That's the, that's kind of the heartburn I have with folks, but yeah, most of the military's, um, supports the president. And we've seen that in videos where we go out to like the mm-hmm. Army Navy game and even yep. the college football games, all these military, oh, yeah. you know, themed games. I mean, there's yep. no doubt the South really honors the military at these games mm-hmm. and they honor him when he walks in there. Yes. It's really, it's yeah. fascinating to watch and it, it's more on the ground video that people have to see because mm-hmm. when they don't see that, then they think Trump is what the media tells them they are. Exactly, yeah. and that's and that's all they listen to, and that's that's kind of always my point, Alex. It's like when I get in discussion with somebody, I'm like, I don't want to hear you know you repeat what you heard on the news on CNN right. or I said, tell me what you think. You know, go do the research yourself, and then let's come back and have a conversation. Get the and facts. Is there a percentage of change that you would say might? People actually do do that and then change their opinion of them? Or? I think sometimes there's a few, not everybody. Some people are so set in their ways that they don't yeah. care what you say. They don't, there's nothing you can say, you know, that's going to change their mind or convince them. And, and that's sad because 
we learn by listening to others, you know. And I don't claim, you know, all, that all my opinions and stuff are right. I mean, I may be wrong on something. And someone, you know, that really takes the time to learn the subject and can maybe convince me of, some, you know, to think a different way. You know, that's how we learn. You know, that's how, and I always believe that's how our our nation was built on debating, yeah. not right. what we're seeing now, but literal debate. Literally and debate. Right, and they wouldn't scream over each other. They'd actually hear each other out, and then we formed the country that way. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's just how how it was made. But I've got to ask you because it's in the back of my mind. So you're in the military, and you really wanted to honor your grandfather while there, right? Like you felt his presence while you were in the military, right? Yeah, no, I, I did, I did, and I visited him. The last time I saw my grandfather was when I was in the uh, the Air Force, and I was actually at a class um, at Wright Patterson, Ohio, and he fl and on the weekend he flew me up there. He bought my airplane ticket up to the cabin where he is uh, outside of Canton, and I spent that last weekend with him. You know, and and he had he I did not know he had cancer at the time because he didn't complain, didn't say a word. He, and that's the kind of man he was. He wanted to hear about you. He'd sit there, Alex, and he would say, you know, Alex, tell me about your life, man. What are you doing? You know, what's going on? He wanted to know about you. He didn't want to talk about himself, you know, and he and, truly. Mm -hmm. And that's a very big part of the book because yeah. you were, you would go back to how he would say, you know, he told, he told your, uh, what, aunts and uncles, because yeah. there's brothers and sisters, his brothers and sisters, let's not ever talk about this. So he yes. was very big about not looking inside, but just focusing yes. some externally, right? Right, he was. I mean, it, and in that that era, I mean, it's the 1920s. I mean, you kind of protected your family. You know, you kind of looked out for each other, and didn't allow you know the world to come in and, and judge. You know, every family has mistakes, and every family has you know uh, drama and such. But you kind of in those days, you kind of protected that. You know, and. and and he, that's what he did. Mm -hmm. Well, and when we, when we first talked, you were very much, when I asked you, like, hey, what was it like talking about the story after you knew he didn't want to talk about it? Yeah. You were, you did say you were a bit hesitant to do it, but I would yeah. have to say with the growth you've seen the book make into a screenplay, I have to believe that that doubt or that hesitance has gone away because you're feeling now that you were meant to do this, right? And to write this book. I, I do. do. I think I think it's uh, affected and touched enough lives that I feel that it kind of confirmed what I was the reason that I actually wrote it. Uh, I, you know, I just felt I owed it to the man to tell his story because he wouldn't tell his own story, and and to honor him, you know. And I think it's touched people and it's inspired people, and and that's my reward, really. And this is a man, by the way, who wrote, who told your uncle, uh, your dad's brother. Don't ever ask me about my life. My, yes. Um, yeah, when he was on his deathbed, um, my uncle, my dad's younger brother, he's like, Pops, tell me about your life, you know, and he just raised a finger and just said, don't ever ask me about my life. And that's all he would say. And he took that. He took all those secrets to the grave with him. And yeah. uh, it took us a long time to find him out, to find out why. Well, and I just think the reason why is, he wanted to protect his family up until yeah. the end, obviously. Yeah. But also, I it, it just seems like there was a pride he had in the work, and he didn't want – maybe he just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. And he wanted to focus on, on family and taking care of his family, and that's that's what he did, and working hard and, 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 and all the positive things and, and just you know not focus on the negative and just protect his, his family and his family name.
Mm-hmm. And you have a family I see all over Instagram doing big things oh, and good yeah. things. Um, yeah. Your dad, he actually was very part in the beginning of the book. You actually, he wrote about this. It's like your forward, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So what's he thinking about having his dad about to be on the big screen? What's he thinking? He actually, I think he's loving it, Alex. I think he's loving every bit of this. I mean, you know, when I was able to hand him a copy of the book and autograph, he, I mean, he could, he, he'll tell everybody. He don't care, you know, if you listen or not. I mean, he's telling everybody about the story, about his dad. I think he's very proud and he's very thrilled and he's thrilled, you know, that the movie, you know, is coming out. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to live long enough to see the movie. He's going to be wow. 87 years old next 87. week. 87 on March 12th. He'll be, uh, yeah. Is so he he's like, he's, he's in good shape too, Alex. Yeah, I mean, he's I'm I, he's going to be around because he's his mind is all there and he's in great shape. And uh, you know, for 87 years old, man, I mean, he's he's healthier than a lot of 60 year olds I've seen. So and that's something. And yeah. I guess that's just a generation thing. I don't know, but yeah. when they're born in the 40s, 30s, they have this will about them to keep going no matter what they're dealt with <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so, it kind of kind of passes down you know so i'm glad to hear that he's he's excited about this and what about your kids and, and family what are they thinking as they're about to get this on the big screen with I, you? I think they're excited i think uh you know i mean my daughters are all uh, obviously very excited because they're going to get to play roles you yeah. know in this in this film and, and play their relatives which is kind of cool and to have them acting together but all the siblings, I think, are excited. I mean, everybody's, you know, real excited about the story and, and, the, and the prospect of the movie. And, you know, my little grandkids are like, oh, Grandpa, can I have a part in the movie? You know, what part do I get? You know, and I'm like, well, you know, we got to we have an orphanage. You know, we got a lot of room. We're going to need a lot of kids, you know, for that. And and they and they're excited because they're they're little. But they're like, how's the book going, Grandpa? You know, and they brag to their friends, my grandpa's an author. And and it's just really, it's really cool, man. I got to eat lunch with, um, yeah, with three of my grandkids. I went to school and that's, and they introduced me to their friends and they're very excited about it. You say it's about to be a marathon? What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a marathon because it's, it, you don't know how much time it's going to take to actually um, pitch it and, and, and get somebody, you know, ready to, uh, you know, fund it. We, we might find somebody who's ready to, to be in on it, but it may take time to put the funds together. And there's a lot of stuff involved there to get it greenlit. They call it, uh, you know, green lighting the project because that's what you want to hear. You want to, you want to hear them say it's greenlit because then, you know, production's about to start. So it could take a couple years. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to say how, you know, how fast we can get this going. So well, if there was an an outlet that we can contribute to, or our listeners can, what would that be? Is there is there like a, a a donate button now on the Heart of Steel website, or how can people? There's not currently. Um, we haven't doing that currently, but um, we're we're just you know we'll be looking for an investor or a studio who will be interested in uh, giving us a budget to start production and start filming. You know, so if there's anybody out there and your listeners, that's a uh, that's a you know a, a production studio or uh, an investor that wants to invest in a good story and make a, a, a good movie. You know, just uh, contact me, contact us, and love to hear from you. But um, but that's the next step. You know, after the screenplay's in place, we'll take the screenplay and the book and we'll start pitching it out and see what kind of interest we get and see where it goes from there. You know, we'll find somebody eventually. Somebody will come along because it's it's a good story. It's going to be a good screenplay. 
So we're very confident someone's going to come along and, and want to work with us. So Kevin, uh, really quickly, so the website that we can go to is? It is heartofsteelbook.com. Alex, it's got um, it's got all my social media up there. It's got links to Amazon and Barnes and Noble to buy the book in ebook or paperback. And there's a lot of information, extra information on there about the story as well, pictures and all kinds of stuff that way, some videos. So it's heartofsteelbook.com. And uh, I want to ask you this because obviously, before we wrap up, it's a looming thing. We just declared state of emergency here in New York. Uh, but from a military aspect, what can we do to truly stop the spread of coronavirus? What are you guys trying to do uh, when it comes to diseases and sicknesses and something as extreme as this? In the military, well, they'll definitely, you know, just enforce good, you know, good sanitary habits. Like, like they've been saying on the news a lot, washing your hands thoroughly with soap and water, try not to touch your face, don't share food or drinks or anything. And um, so just basic common sense, the same as, as civilians would do. Um, and just a comment, it's like, you know, this coronavirus, it's, it's a bad virus, but there's been much worse. The swine, that's you know, the SARS, there, there's been many worse. And I think the media just is really kind of blowing this out of proportion. I think they're scaring people because the, the number of deaths, I mean, there's probably more cases of coronavirus than is being reported, which would put the number of deaths at a lower percentage. And then the people who are getting sick and dying from this are, are in, in their 80s, typically, right. and they have respiratory problems and, you know, well, and like any flu. We have to remember that this is not this is not something that people are quarantined, you know, at the Empire State Building. They're literally separated from us. So we shouldn't be afraid. Yeah. People need to stop being afraid. And that's the thing. And that's one of the things the media loves to do is to create fear, you know, and let's and make it and politicize, you know, something like this, which is sad um, because it's you know, like I said, it's a bad flu, you know, but there's a lot of bad flus out there and, and people die of the flu all the time as well, too. Just the, the normal flu viruses. And they're usually older people and older people who have, you know, suffer from COPD or other respiratory problems are ones really having difficulty with this coronavirus. So I would say don't panic. Don't panic. If you get sick and you're healthy, just, yeah, quarantine yourself, stay home, you know, have good practices, keep your house sanitary and such, and you'll be fine. You know, if, if you're a person who has respiratory problems you know you just get to the hospital get to the get to a doc see a doctor and you know and uh, if, if you need to be quarantined if you're test positive then you know you got you're in a good place you're in a hospital they're gonna you know right. take care you know that's right well uh, kevin and prayers and may god bless your father during this i mean we don't want anybody sick by it anyway so just keep praying for everybody out there anyhow yeah absolutely so, kevin thanks so much for doing this and joining me today on the sunday pod and oh, yeah. We will catch up very, very soon. I have. I always enjoy our conversations, Alex, and I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Thank you so much. You got